Hey folks, welcome back to the DC3Cast and Happy New Year. We are here recording in the past, but you are hearing this in the future. And um, we're going to be talking about... In the about... year 2000. Thank you. Uh, we're going to be here. We're going to be talking about the first week of future state books. And so before we get into the individual books, boys, we were all pretty hyped for this. Um, this first week, where does it sort of sit in your expectations of the event? Is And obviously, we're not judging the whole event yet, but just sort of, you know, how you felt going in versus how you feel now that we've read the first week of uh, stories. Zach, take it away. I think it's about what I expected. I was um, disappointed by certain things I expected to enjoy, and I enjoyed things that I didn't expect to enjoy. So overall, I, I feel fairly positive about the first week. Vince? Yeah, I think I'm even a little more positive than that. Um, there wasn't a whole lot that I was disappointed by. Like, I don't think any of these are bad. Um, I think at worst, they're pretty standard. They're your average DC Comics, but they have the added benefit of being different. After, after you know, what we've talked about it on the show, after a year or, or even two years where kind of all the books were in a holding pattern, it's just nice to have something different, even if you don't end up being that jazzed by it. Um, and, and so... And the and the ones that I did like, I really liked, and so I I'm very pleased. I think with with this opening round. Yeah, I'll I'll somewhat second what you guys are saying. The one thing I will say is that I think I was a little bit let down by some of the art this week. Oh, um, that's wild. Well, here's why. <laughs> here's why. I I I feel like. All the draftsmanship is really good. I think the coloring overall really turned me off for whatever reason. And we'll get into that with a couple oh, of books in particular. Wild. Um, it just uh, something about it just felt like it, to me it felt stunty. If that makes sense, like look, mm. we're we're trying to be real different. Look at this, and oh, I loved it. <laughs> some of it I liked, some of it I didn't. But I think I can. I think I probably know the book you're really talking about the most there. Okay, we'll, um, we'll talk about it when we get to it. Um, any other like general thoughts before we jump in? Um, no, I don't think so. Okay, um, I am going to be going on the official DC order. They put out like a a, a checklist for Future State, so we're going in that order. And so, um, unfortunately, the first book is not quite alphabetical order, so. My apologies to that. Um, but the first book is the next Batman number one. This is one of the uh, books we read that has backups in it. And this has uh, two backups. We'll talk about each of these three stories individually. But the main story, the next Batman number one, written by John Ridley, illustrated by Nick Darrington. Um, I know that one of us didn't like this book as much as the other two. Um so let's start with him, Zach. Why, why, why was this not necessarily your cup of tea? So uh, there's like a couple things. Number one, Stop I just yelling. I was really hoping with these future state books that it the stories that would be told would feel very unique and different compared to you know, the typical kind of stories that we get with not necessarily these characters, because, you know, this is a new Batman, but with, with, with Batman, with Wonder Woman, with Superman, etc. This didn't feel like very unique in terms of a Batman story. It was, it was pretty by the numbers, I think, which really disappointed me. It didn't really do anything all that different or, or use the setting or the new character in, in a way that really felt significantly different than normal Batman. Um, the Nick Darrington art that I was extremely excited for. I, I also kind of felt like Darrington, I don't know if he played it safe here or if it just, the, the script didn't really allow for him to do a lot of, you know, really crazy stuff, but just like comparing this to his work on say Batman universe, which, 
you know, another Batman title that that book just felt wild and crazy and trippy and and had some really great scenes. Like I, I remember there was like a train sequence that went across, you know, two pages and was just like very, very cool. And and this like just plays it a little bit more straight with panel structure and and there's I, I don't know, it just really didn't blow me away. I was just kind of I, I got to the end of the issue, um, which another thing is it ends on a, a page with just kind of a, a non sequitur ending um, with, with characters that we haven't seen and don't have any context for. And I was just kind of underwhelmed by the whole thing. I was really just a little disappointed. May I make a note about the um, the art and the panel structure and all that? Yeah. I wonder how much of that is due to the physical script like for instance bendis has been writing comics for you know 30 years now seemingly uh, essentially yeah. whereas ridley is relatively new to this particular type of of writing and i wonder if his script i, I think sometimes new writers are, and i know i've talked to scott snyder about this exact thing like when he first started his scripts were super tight and super telling the artist exactly what to draw and I wonder if Ridley, because he's new to this, had a much more like rigid script than someone like Bendis maybe had. I I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. Yeah. Well, I I thought that this this story had some good stuff within it. Um, I actually love the colors in this by Tamara Bonvillain. Bonvillain, mm-hmm. I don't know how we say col- that name. The colors are very good. Colors yeah. are excellent in this book. Um, and I um I thought it did a pretty good job of catching you up on the Fox family. I think it did a nice job of sort of introducing you to that cop character um, and, and just giving you a little bit of a point of view there. I thought that the like the gang of Banes was a pretty fun idea. I, I do agree with Zach in a way that this felt like a very boilerplate Batman story despite it not being Bruce under the cowl. But I also think that because there is supposed to be an air of mystery as to who this Batman is, I think that maybe it was meant to be... Maybe I'm reading too much into this, but I, I thought maybe part of it was like, Batman is just Batman, and that doesn't really matter who's under the cowl. It's always just kind of Batman. And maybe we'll get more personality sure in the future. It if, if, sure would have been great if DC hadn't revealed who it was like over a month before this issue came out. <laughs> that is also true. Yes. Because <laughs> even in this first issue, they're trying to play a, a little coy with that because you have you have the first scene with the new Batman, and then the very next scene you have Luke Fox coming down from a late night the, uh, upstairs and saying it's been a, you know it's been a late night you know and and spoiler alert we know that that's not who the next Batman is so. Yeah, that, then that part, it's a shame. It's a shame that comics marketing works like that these days. Um, and, you know, Newsarama can write whatever article they want about why they have to do that. Um, but it's just, it it, it, it kind of wrecks the effect then. Yeah. So talk more about your thoughts on this issue, Vince. Um, I, I liked it a lot. I think, I, I agree. I see what Zach is saying but I think it didn't bother me as much as, as it did Zach. He's right that, that Darrington doesn't really get to go buck wild here the way that he did on those other books. Um, but I think I think that's by design because I think that this story is, out of any of these stories that we've read here this week, the one that tries to be the slickest. I think, like, it's it's slight, not in a bad way, but, like, there's just not a ton of exposition. You, you, you the, the concept behind Gotham being um, <clears throat> run by the magistrate and the peacekeepers is a very simple one to understand. And they don't, they hammer it home at you, but they don't do it with a lot of words. They don't, they don't have to feel like they have to set up this, this very detailed backstory about how it got to be this way. Uh, and I think, you know, there's, there's, at least two or three extended uh, action sequences or fight sequences in this story where more or less uh, John Ridley just lets Nick Darrington go. And yeah, it's not, it's not very showy, but it's very slick. And I think, um, 
you know, you, you, you feel the punches land and I think it's all staged very well. Um, so I think it's a trade off. Uh, and, and I, I, it worked for me. Um, I will say that like, if I, if I'm disappointed by anything, um, it's just that I, I do think like the idea that Gotham is overrun by this fascist, uh, police state or whatever, uh, well, very, um, you know, very modern and, and, and almost current as sort of a topic. It does feel like something that Gotham is just constantly being put through, whether it's, uh, whether it's the Joker, uh, taking over Gotham or Bane taking over God, you know, it's just the whole city being under siege by something is not that fresh of an idea. Um, but that's okay. That's just kind of set dressing, I think. Um, but Zach is right. Like, I, I, I would like to, to reach for for them to reach for something like truly different, truly like, oh man, this is something we've never seen before, you know. And they, they don't really do that. But I think what we got is is really slick, very digestible, and uh, pleasing to read. I think it was uh, art. Art is gorgeous, even if it's not like over the top. Um, and the color, yeah, uh, I, th- I've been putting, uh, Tamra at like the top of my colorist list every year for like the last three years or something. When we do those multiversity mm-hmm. year end lists came out, but the like, day we're recording this actually that list yeah, comes out in about, go. uh, 90 minutes or so. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, but I mean, the colors are just great. And uh, Tamra Bonvillain shows up over the course of several of these issues, uh, throughout future state. And I think like is clearly a, a, a colorist star in comics these days and, and really a boon to a DC's repertoire. So I can't say enough about that. I just want to throw one more quick thing out there before I throw it back to Zach, before we move on to the next, um, the next part of this book. But I wonder if there's, there was sort of um, if the instruction was like, Hey, this book is called the next Batman. This is a book that we could, nab maybe lapsed or new readers with so make it very make it a very simple introduction almost in the way we're talking about the wonder woman book in a little while i think a similar maybe mandate was sent there both of those books you need very little prior information to enjoy whereas some of these books if you don't know like basic if you haven't read comics in 10 years you don't know who jonathan kent is that superman books to make no sense to you <laughs> right so i wonder if, if it was purposely like this is this is a good book to use as an introduction for some people yeah i i wouldn't doubt it zach anything else before we move on to the outsiders uh, no. Okay, so we have the first of two backups in here, written by Brandon Thomas, illustrated by Sumit Kumar, and this is uh, an outsider's story. It's mainly a Katana and the Signal story, although we do get some Black Lightning in there. Um, this very much is a follow-up to Brian Hill's Batman and the Outsiders book, uh, even though it takes place in this sort of unknown future time and a lot has changed between now and then there's a ton of bits that are following up here from from that uh from that title and i think that that's a really interesting choice because that that title was not not that it was an unpopular book but it wasn't like this critical darling so it's interesting to see them picking up pieces from that for this um for this backup vince what would you think of this one I love this. I think this was maybe my second favorite story out of all the ones we read this week. Um, and I think uh, Sumit Kumar's art is uh, wild in this. That that blew me away. Zach was talking about uh, the train fight sequence, double pager from um, Batman Universe. Or that was that's what it was called, right? That, yes. Yes. Yeah, that doesn't sound right to me, but yes, uh, there's a similar sequence with sort of a uh hall hallway fight scene uh with katana and it's multiple levels of a building and it's double pager and you know you 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 see her path that she takes and uh it's that's just such a sweet double pager and i don't know that i've seen that from kumar because um they've been used mostly for i think fill-ins or um 
some of those anthology stories mm-hmm. yeah. at DC and seeing that kind of art is really exciting. Uh, anytime you get it in, in like a kind of a bigger story like this, you know, so, something more that DC's trying to feature more heavily um, is exciting to see. Uh, it looked really great. Uh, and I thought the script was really good too. I thought, you know, there was some hokey stuff, but it was hokey in the way that comics should be hokey. I think like when the, like when uh, black lightning shows up and so one of the, one of the bad guys is like that lightning. Why is it black? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like you could in a bad book that would come off like really stupid, but like the, you know, he shows up as a lightning elemental at the end of this thing. And so like in that context, I think it really works. And I think all the stuff about uh, Katana and her husband, who's, you know, trapped in her sword as, as, as is historically the case, um, the dialogue there was all really good. There's a part where she talks about how, you know, my husband would want me to give you another chance. I disagree. The most important thing that goes into a good marriage is compromise. (laughs) And then she like kills a guy, you know, it's, it's, I I thought that was such like Brandon Thomas's script was, was uh, really sharp and evocative too. And even found a way to incorporate caliber, this character that I wasn't sure we would ever see again from the Brian Hill outsiders run in a way that was pretty satisfying too. So yeah, this, this one really hit the sweet spot for me. Zach. Yeah. I love this. This was so good. Um, I came out of this saying, well, it's really funny because I came out of, um, what was it? Uh, other history of the DCU thinking, Man, I could really go for a, a new good Outsiders book that clicked with me because I, I I didn't really click with the the Brian Hill one. Um, although I really didn't read past like the first arc, um, so maybe I should give that another chance. But then this comes in, and this is this is exactly what I want. The the art is so good. Um, those opening pages with Katana just like flying around with this samurai iron man suit basically deflecting bullets with her sword um the elemental black lightning bit that that sequence where they're you know going down the down the stairs um through that building uh, just like it just ticked so many boxes it, it looked so good um i mean i mean like from a story standpoint it's a little slight um but i i enjoyed it a lot it was easily my favorite story in in this uh book Oh, in in the book, I I think it's either my favorite or, t- or just or tied maybe with the uh, with the next Batman one. But yeah, this is this is excellent for all the reasons you guys said. I don't have too much more to add. Um, I feel like changing up the Black Lightning status quo would be a really good thing right now for a, you know for a bunch of reasons. But I don't know if this is this to me feels like it's going to be something that is um something that maybe doesn't get picked up on after future state and that's kind of a bummer but that's okay let's let's enjoy the ride while we're there and hope that it turns into something else um so yeah let's let's move on to the final story in this batch and that is the arkham knights story this is by paul jenkins and jack herbert um this didn't do too much for me I I I liked how um, Ms. Arkham calls everybody like Mr. Clayface or Mr. Whatever. Uh, it, it reminds me of a lot of jokes that we make in Lads Chat, um, and uh, I'll leave it at that. And uh, <laughs> but other than that, this this just kind of felt like to me this is the most paint by numbers of these stories. Just like the villains are out, they're you know they're taking on the authority figures. It's basically. It's basically – we've seen this story a lot of times. Maybe not with these yeah. characters. We've seen this story before. I didn't have too much to say about it. Yeah, Arkham Knight is not a character I ever needed to see again. Um, I, yeah, I, I didn't care much for this. Uh, I'm going to wild out just a little and say <laughs> that uh, Arkham Knight is – not a character I ever needed to see again. And then I was surprised at how much I actually liked her in this. Oh yeah. You think she's kind of nice with it? (laughs) (laughs) Not not where I was going with that, but I, yes, 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 right. Um, no, I, 
having said that, I, I didn't love this. Um, I, I was just surprised that I didn't, you know, the premise alone reminds me of like the forever evil Arkham Manor stuff. Maybe. Sure. Yeah. Um, and I just thought like, Oh, it's just going to be one of those, one of those things where the, they have to do something with these villains and, and they kind of make them seem like anti-heroes too. Um, in the service of this story. And it did. It That's what it was. Um, but I, I, I liked it a hair more than I expected to. Um, and I think, I think the heart that went into it a little bit is what caused that. There, there's a real like focus on the psychological healing of the here of the villains. Um, like they go to therapy and, uh, Astrid Arkham is is at least for them a very warm presence um and tries to be uplifting and when it's needed and I think like it's not much but it was enough to have me go you know yeah this is I like this a little more than I thought I would um even though it is kind of you know out of all the future state stories we've read so far it is kind of the most stocks and standard one All right. Yeah. All right. Well, let, let's move over to our next title, which is The Flash. Future State The Flash, number one, written by Brandon Vietti, illustrated by Dale Eaglesham. Um, this one did not do it for me. So in last chat, I I made it sound like the my least favorite of these stories that we read was the next Batman one. That's not accurate. That was maybe the one I was most disappointed by this was my least favorite it's it's it, to me this is this is everything i don't like about a flash book even though it has max mercury and uh and uh jay garrick in it um this also to me feels like by far the most disposable of these stories because there is no way, like I, one of the nice things about Future State to me is that you feel like some of these stories may wind up being, if not canon, like you know, a potential future for the characters. And I feel like this one feels the least like it could actually be pulled off in main continuity, in part because both Bart Allen and uh, Jay Garrick eat it by the end of the story. And, and and Wallace has already died before this starts. Yes, yeah. So it, it just feels like this is the definition of like a lazy Elseworlds title. We need to stop making Wally West the bad guy. We need to stop. That's the weirdest part of this for me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's just... It, and, and It's, it's not... very tone deaf. It's like, <laughs> why why are we doing this again? Yeah, it, yeah. Feels, it feels super lazy and bad. Um... I will say the the things that I liked about this are, are kind of twofold. I think the status quo of the Flash is not having their speed, so they're using uh, Rogue's gear. Yeah, that's is fun. pretty fun. That's fun. Yeah. Um, and Equal Shim is not someone that I would peg as a Flash artist because his his style is a little bit more. It's a little less dynamic. It's kind of more. Um posed or at least that's kind of how i think of it mm -hmm. but it actually it actually kind of works for me here um i don't know if i would want him on a flash book all the time but i kind of like it yeah you took the words out of my mouth with that one um i, I felt the same way um i yeah I, this was probably my least favorite but again, I didn't hate it. I don't think it's so bad. Like there was a time at DC and Marvel where like they'd be putting out comics that just like actively stink and you couldn't you couldn't even figure out where they came from, right? And I think like in recent years they've homogenized stuff so well over editorial that like it's very rare that you get a book that just out and out stinks, right? Um, and I, I don't think that that's this, uh, that said it is, there's a lot of fun stuff within it, but yeah, the overall premise is a head scratcher because it, unless I'm missing something, 
it's it's tough to see why this is happening in a future state status quo. Or it feels it, very disconnected from everything that we know about future state. Right. Yes. Right. <clears throat> and there's that, and then yeah, just off of uh, death metal attempting to um, rehabilitate Wally. They do this again, and I know they go through great pains to um, make sure that you know that, like, Wally is possessed by something calling themselves famine or whatever. Right. Uh, That's understood, but it just still feels weird to use him for that again. (laughs) You know, it's it's just and that's context that exists outside of this book. Yes. But in the standard in the in the in the, um, you know meta narrative of the dcu it's just weird to do that again um I and so never... it's not sorry go ahead oh i was just gonna say and so and so even though this book is attempting to show you a few things that that it wants to tell you are different uh, the overall effect ends up being the same it just seems like another flash story where they have to save wally from himself and yeah i don't know yeah. what i will never Any... understand sorry, that's right what i will never understand is why after holding Wally back and everybody celebrating Wally's return, how every Wally story since then has just been about him being evil. I just, I just, I will never get it. It makes no sense to me. Um, it's bad. My one note I do want to say is I, I liked, I liked the idea of the calculator stealing the thinker's helmet. That was kind of a fun villain thing. And I also liked, we're watching him control checkmate and we see that his, um, his knights are um, Sasha Bordeaux, Rick Flagg, and um, Steve Trevor. Mm-hmm. And so that might be a hint to some sort of future Checkmate thing coming back, which I would be cool. I like Checkmate as a DC organization, but this didn't do much for me. Um, any other notes on The Flash? Well, let's just let's take mm-hmm. a break. And we'll come back. We'll talk about the last few books of the uh, Future State line for week one. So stay tuned. Hello. We're the hosts of the Multiversity Manga Club podcast. I'm Emily. I'm Zach. And I'm Walter. Each month, we pick a manga to read and discuss among ourselves. Past books include Monster, A Silent Voice, and Pokemon Adventures. We also look back on the past month's installments of Weekly Shonen Jump, discussing the highs and lows from the Viz Anthology. We've even discussed notable manga adaptations like Netflix's Death Note. At the end of each episode, we announce next month's book club pick so you can read along with us. We're always open to suggestions for future books as well. So join us on the first Friday of every month on multiversitycomics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. And we are back, and let's jump right into... Future State Harley Quinn number one. This is written by um, scroll down here. Stephanie, Stephanie Phillips, Phillips. Uh, illustrated by Simone DeMed and um, DeMeo. Oh, it's DeMeo? I, I can't type. That My notes are incorrect. DeMeo. My apologies. The O does kind of look like a D in the credits. Oh, okay. It's the font. Um, so this one, I, I have never seen this show, but isn't this just The Blacklist? I don't know. I've never <laughs> seen The Blacklist. <laughs> Starring uh, what's his name? Starring Ultron from Crash. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, From what I understand, that show is about a serial killer that helps them catch serial killers. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, that's House of the Lambs, and yeah, yeah. Um, Tale as old as time. Yeah. Song as old as rhyme. (laughs) I was just gonna say it. Um. This was this. I I liked this one for the art. And I feel like the art could be a little polarizing. Mm-hmm. It feels very, and I, oh, I'm going to say this. I don't mean this like in a disparaging way, but this has like a very, like, late aughts web comic feel. Mm-hmm. Does that does that oh, make I sense? I can see that. Sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah. like very polished. It's like it's extremely polished. There's just like a lot of digital effects, like the lighting and stuff. Um, it's very neon and um, weird, like focusing effects um, to create like a sense of depth. 
it, it just um it doesn't look like comics that you usually see from DC and Marvel look. Right. And normally I don't care for this style. Um but I think, like you said, it's really polished. See, a lot of times that kind of stuff can come off as stiff to me or the digital effects are overdone and they... But the, there, there are some times where the, um, they use a blurring effect and I could, I could kind of do without the blurring, the digital blur. But the the art itself looks very good, and it's very it's very readable. It's very like uh, um, like the craft is good, you know. The, the 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 paneling and the sequential storytelling is very good. And I don't know if you guys have read the uh, Al Ewing um, Greater. Uh, we only find them when they're dead. Uh huh. That simone de is the artist on that and uh, yeah it's really good stuff it looks nothing like dc or marvel's standard uh comic booking and i kind of hope we see them branch out a little more in that direction with some of these artists um because yeah this, you would not expect a harley quinn book to look like this um and i i think the effect was really good also stupid sexy anime jonathan crane <laughs> yeah the the character designs in this are really good i think like the the scarecrow design the pig, the professor pig design yeah yes um i think they're all it's good it's it's uh, they're good reimaginings i think yeah i i was less high on this than you guys were art wise um i think that the art I, I do agree that it looks different than what we're used to seeing and i don't think it's necessarily bad it's just not my particular style and um, I think that all the digital effects kind of add to that being not my particular style. You know, it's just it's just not this is not how I particularly like my comics to look. I think it looks nice. And I think that if the story did more for me, I think I could maybe um, forgive that a little bit more. But to me, this was just a pretty boilerplate, you know, uh, Harley Quinn story with, you know, using her her prior time as a therapist and all that. You know, it's it's not bad. It's just it's just not it's not for me. That's fair. I think yeah, it, if anything if anything it almost plays it so this is going to make me sound like a hypocrite because like what are the Harley Quinn solo title stories that we've been getting? Mostly like since uh Palmiotti and Connor's run began and even going into the Humphreys stuff and i think sabella did a few issues too um but but they all kind of have this same tone where it it yes it tells a story of some of some goal that harley quinn is trying to accomplish but it is mostly just a vehicle for launching irreverent jokes at the reader just page after page after page of jokes right mm -hmm. this almost plays it and i i kind of get sick of that stuff this almost plays it too far in the other direction where she still has a sense of humor, but there's pretty much, unless I'm forgetting something, there's pretty much none of the fourth wall breaking. And I think the sweet spot for Harley Quinn is somewhere in the middle of that, which I think like, I think Tom Taylor's suicide squad did, did that a little bit better where like, 100%. yes, she's part of, she's part of this team uh, you know, working on some goal or whatever, and then has these little asides that have nothing to do with anything and are irreverent. And they don't take over the whole book, but they are interjected, you know, a couple times an issue. This almost plays it too far in the other direction where this is just a traditional story that Harley happens to be the protagonist of. That's okay. Like I, this was, this was good to read. I think this is an entertaining story. Um, I look forward to Stephanie Phillips run. Cause I, I believe she's the writer after future state as well. Right. I believe so. Yes. Mm -hmm. I just, I hope they just dial the humor up just a tad more, you know, J just, I think they overcorrected a little bit and that's really my only criticism. And overcorrection might be the perfect word for this. I feel like both sides the art and the script overcorrected for me. 
Mm. I think if there was a little bit, like I don't, like I said, it's it's not particularly my cup of tea art wise. But I think that I could have, if the story hadn't been so so dry in some in some ways, I could have been more on board with that. It just seems to me like it's very flashy, very interesting art that takes place in like one room. <laughs> you know, so mm-hmm. um but yeah, that's enough about that's enough of me complaining. Oh, it's a it's a prestige TV show. <laughs> it's yes. the blacklist. It's the blacklist, exactly, yes. <laughs> Any other Harley comments? Mm-mm. Okay. Then let's get to Superman uh, of Metropolis number one. The first story is a John Kent story written by Sean Lewis, illustrated by John Timms. Um, Zach, I want you to start talking about this one. I really dug this a lot. Um, a lot of that stands on the art. I think John Timms is such a good superhero artist. Um, he has most recently been working on um, Young Justice, and I think his... John Kent is so good. His Kara is really good. The his, his like design sense, his his framing. Um, we get a scene here where uh, John uh, shrinks Metropolis down into a bottled city to protect it, and I, I think that sequence like looks really really good. Um, there there's this um kind of new take on brainiac called brain cells that looks very visually interesting i i think this is maybe the book or or the story so far that has like best it's best uh delivered on the future state concept to me um i liked this a lot vince yeah everything uh zach just said um it is the one that feels most like, like if you just heard the phrase "future DC Comics future state, this is what you would pick. Uh, you know, there were rumors um, for years from Bleeding Cool that like John Kent was going to be the next Superman. And then this is what came of it, you know, and it, it is kind of what you pictured when you, two years ago, even when you were imagining what this would look like, you know, um, and I, I think that's great. Uh, I think all the stuff that Zach said about the art is spot on. I think John Tim's uh, probably his best work yet that I've seen. I think, I think he's actually upgraded. And I and I thought he was a pretty great artist before this, but like some of the scale stuff that he does in this, some of the spectacle, uh, he's he he was asked to to draw some things on a scale that I don't think he's quite been asked yet on any of the runs he's been on. And I think he nailed it. Um, and I guess my only criticism of this would be that this is this is the story out of all of the Future's End story that I thought was uh, too um, reliant on exposition. There's a lot of there's a lot of words in this. There's a lot of narration. There's a lot of going back and explaining how the state of things in metropolis got to where they are and it's it's pretty heavy i think it's i think it's mostly necessary but i also think it bog it bogs the story down in a way that some of these other stories just aren't bogged down with so Mm -hmm. you you read it a little more slowly which is fine you know it's it's a minor criticism but I, i i'm really liking my comics to be more streamlined than that these days um but I, th- I thought it was really great, and I thought there was a lot of great stuff in it. Um, I think that John Kent being an inexperienced uh, Superman that makes mistakes played really well. I think the contrast between him and Supergirl was really great. And the one bit that I really loved, one of my favorite bits in this first week of Future State, it was the Morrisonian bit where... They talked about John's 10 years of patrolling Metropolis, and they gave you all these uh, suggested adventures he's been on. Mm-hmm. So they talk about the the Brainiac one, but then they have something called the Five Empires, the Golden Gods of Creon, the Here Time comes. Luchadors. Time Luchadors, baby. <laughs> the Time Luchadors. <laughs> yeah. I uh, want that, that story. Bit- yeah, and that's what that's what comics should do, right? And I, I hope they never they could easily do like a six issue Time Luchador's miniseries. I hope they don't, <laughs> but 
but I loved getting bits and pieces of that stuff, you know? Um, I, I love that so much. Mm. Um, I thought this was good. I, I maybe don't love it quite as much as you guys do, in part because I'm not the world's biggest John Timms fan. Um, he's okay. I, I agree this is very wordy. Uh, I don't like a lot of the coloring choices in this issue. Um, that, 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 that's my that, that's, that's my one uh, take on this. I just think that Tim's... Every Tim's face is like trying to be sexy face. And I, I just I, I, I lose I lose patience with that a little bit. Superheroes uh, are sexy, Brian. God damn it! Yeah, but look look at look at like every I know, I know. every panel of John here is like the brooding sexy superhero. Um, You're right. And I just I, I that that's not my particular cup of tea. Like I said before, I, I think the exposition here is necessary because you could you could not give this comic to a new reader without all this exposition in there. Even with the exposition in there, it still might be a little much for them. Um, and so I, I understand it, but to me, this is just, um, I, I, I am such a big John Kent fan. I wanted a little bit more here and I think making him inexperienced is, I think there's good stories to tell there. I just felt this was a little bit undercooked both from the art and the script, but it was, it was still fine. It wasn't, it wasn't bad. I just, I guess this was the book of this week's titles. This is the one I expected to like the most and I did not. Hmm. Um, let's jump over to the first backup in this in this book, which is the uh, Shiloh Norman Mister Miracle backup, written by Brandon Easton, illustrated by Valentine Delandro, and um, big convergence vibes from these backups. <laughs> yes, yes, uh, these are essentially a convergence stories. Uh, left over for six years, whatever it's been. Uh, uh, that said, I really like Delandro's art on this Mister Miracle story. I, 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 I really just dug this style. And um, again, this is not the type of art we we, we see in a lot of DC books, specifically not in a lot of Metropolis set books. So I, I enjoyed the art here. I thought that this story didn't do all that much. It was pretty slight. But that's okay. It's a backup. It's pretty fun. Yeah, it's yeah. I, I think you know, just being like a ten pager or eight eight to ten, however, however much it is. I I think it, it it's neat. It's nice to see more Shiloh Norman. Um, yeah, I I agree with you. I I generally enjoyed it. Yeah, I can't look at the uh, the Delandro uh, Mister Miracle without thinking of uh, stupid sexy Flanders though. <laughs> he looks he looks like he's wearing nothing at all <laughs> uh yeah it was, it was fun it was slight um fine for a backup nice to spend time with a, a little more time with shiloh norman not not really much to sink your teeth into though so like yeah if, if this were anything other than a backup i think it it would have been it would have felt insufficient but mm-hmm. yeah uh, I guess similar both because of of the Kirby connection and because of the Seven Soldiers connection and because it's the next backup and it's also Convergency. Uh, we have the the Guardian story, this the formerly the Manhattan Guardian, currently maybe the Metropolis Guardian, just the Guardian, um, written by Sean Lewis, illustrated by a really incredible team of Kali Hamner <laughs> yeah. and Michael Ivan Oming, like. Who'd have thought those two guys would be doing a backup in this book? It's wild. <laughs> um, and it's also, it's like wild how well they fit together, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. I almost I almost didn't notice the turn. Same. Yeah. 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 Um, but, um, I mean, I, who does... Who owes them a favor at DC? That these, or, or who do they, owe, they own a, owe a favor at DC? Because it's it's it's, it's a, probably Bendis. Probably Bendis. <laughs> yeah. Uh, even though Bendis is nowhere near th- this book, so. No, I know, but he's like he he. I I, I like, I I could see like a scenario where like Hamner was doing this book or this story and like ran out of time or something, and Bendis was just like, hey hey, Michael, c- come do this book for me. Yeah. <laughs> 
we we need somebody. Um, this was fun. I I kind of actually liked this better than the uh, Mister Miracle backup. Um, it captured the energy and the zaniness I think of the uh, Seven Soldiers Manhattan Guardian book. Yes. This also brings Jimmy Olsen into it, which uh, I, I think is fun. Which I almost didn't realize that's who that was <laughs> when he appeared, because <laughs> um, he's older. Yeah, he's bearded now. Yeah. He has a beard. But yeah, th- uh-huh. this is fun too. Yeah. I, uh, I, I generally enjoyed these backups as while acknowledging their convergence essentially Um, and and the reason we're saying that is because they they take place in the bottled city of metropolis so very similar concept to those bottled cities from convergence yes Mm -hmm. all right next up we have uh future state swamp thing number one and this is one of those titles that we know the creative team will be carrying over from this into the post-Future State landscape, written by Ram V, illustrated by Mike Perkins. Um, there's there's a character reveal at the end of this that I did not see coming. I could, if you had given me a list of 100, or you had me list 100 characters that might wind up being like the secret big bad in this miniseries, I would never have put this character there. We'll get to that in a second, but... The, a lot of this issue is about Swamp Thing sort of leading this, like, essentially family of other creatures um, that are that are similar to him. They, they call him, like, is it Green Father or... Um, yeah. It's Gr- Green Father? Yeah. Yeah. And um, I thought this was an interesting take on the character. I'm not the world's biggest Mike Perkins fan, but I think his art works insanely better here than it did like on that one that Lois Lane series he did. Yeah, I dug this. I liked this a lot. Um, both from like an artistic standpoint, I, I really liked the interstitials with like Swamp Thing talking about. I guess I guess like discussing making the Swamp People, and there are these like anatomical drawings of, um, you know, internal organs and and tissues and things, but they're all made from plant material. Um, so it's cool. very visually striking. Yes. Yeah, that part um, was that part was great. I guess balance that out with um, a, a panel where Mike Perkins clearly like traced the Lex Luthor from the Paul Cornell uh, <laughs> Lex Luthor David Finch cover. <laughs> where it's, was it's, that? It's um it's on the third page the bottom where there's the lex is just like in the corner bottom corner of a panel and it's like <laughs> he's wearing the exact same suit as that like orange lantern yes, <laughs> cover yes. um, yeah but it's like normal colors but it's the exact same pose action comics um, nine action comics uh was it 790 or 890 890 something maybe? like that yeah okay. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> fair point Fair yeah, only, only thing there. <laughs> yeah, I thought this this was pretty fun. Vince, what do you think? Yeah, I liked this a lot. This is one where I liked it more than I expected. Um, and I and I'm a Ram V fan. Um, you know, not always so much of a Mike Perkins fan, but but yeah, it, Mike Perkins' art worked really well because um, the structure of all these characters can be kind of loose and uh, amorphous and. Um, it works really well. And shade, the shading is really nice. Um, the colors from June Chung, really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, very moody at times, but also the, also striking that future state kind of neon uh, color scheme at times, um, especially with the reveal at the end. Um, that's the thing. That's the thing that really makes it feel future statey. Um, yeah, those those interstitial pages with the anatomy were breathtaking in their way um yeah i really liked it really really dug it more excited for the ram v swamp thing series coming out of this than i was before so yeah uh so the character i alluded to earlier was um there's this like tank like a back to tank essentially with obsidian in it son of alan scott obsidian and uh, the the dialogue from the human that he encounters is, um, 
He told me the truth about the undying man and the coming of the obsidian sun. Help us, Swamp Thing. Help us before we do something terrible. I love that as a hook for the series. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really fun... And serious, there's one more issue of this. So, um, <laughs> you know, but but I think it's it's a really fun tease going forward. Yeah. And, and you guys hit on it. The, the anatomical pages were really striking and very, very cool. I enjoyed this quite a bit. Anything else to say about uh, about Swamp Thing? No? All right. Let's let's bring it home with Future State Wonder Woman number one, written and illustrated by Joel Jones. Guys, this is the most fun I had this week with any of these books. Yeah. Yamahama, this one paid off on <laughs> all the hopes that I, I had for it, basically. Um, this is also... Uh, this is not a criticism of the book at all. Um, this is also the one, though, that makes it most clear to me that this was all supposed to be something else other than a two-month gap event storyline. Like, to, yes. to me, to me, this is totally, like, this is the one that reveals, like, okay, 5G was supposed to be a thing. This was going to be the new wonder woman for a little while um you know essentially like a more of an all new all different marvel now status quo where it where it is the status quo for a while to me it's like a dead giveaway because this doesn't really feel like future state if i put that in quotations but like but it is whatever was promised by 5g right (laughs) and uh and yeah, it's got a it's got a completely different tone from anything else here. Um, it's uh, it feels like a Vertigo book at times. I think it actually reminded me in a lot of ways of the Azarello Chang Batman run, uh, Batman, goodness gracious, Wonder Woman run. Um, mm-hmm. Just because of like this, you're introducing her into this larger mythology. That has always kind of been there for Wonder Woman, but Wonder Woman has always, to me, been about the sort of Amazonian mythology and everything spinning out of that. Whereas the Azarello and Chang one very much put you into like the Greek pantheon of gods in a way that wasn't really as tied into Themyscira. And I feel like this, by bringing her into the underworld, is is giving me similar vibes. Did you guys pick up on that at all? Oh, absolutely. And it even did it in like the like uh, in the Azarello and Chang. Wonder Woman, the gods were kind of like um, cartoony or, or anthropomorphic uh, versions of the thing that they represent, right? Uh, a little bit. Mm-hmm. And this kind of had a, almost like an irreverent, jokey aspect to the way that it depicts the underworld and the gods as this very mundane, like, uh, airport setting almost that they have to go through to get there and then they have to wait in this long line to pay the ferryman to to go across to Hades you know it's it, it's it's kind of a somewhat tongue-in-cheek but not in a way that feels like super disrespectful of mythology or anything just it's just that little comic booky twist you know and then to, to add to what you said Brian about um you know the amazonian landscape versus the greek pantheon of gods now this wonder woman introduces a brazilian flavor to everything including uh this forest nymph that is straight out of brazilian mythology that yara is traveling with um and so yeah it's it's expansive in that way that where wonder woman gets to be kind of the fantastical mythological corner of the DCU. Um, and that's really exciting to me. Yeah, this, this issue ruled. This was probably the best issue of the bunch. I think, uh, of this week, the Joel Jones art is spectacular. I think her writing is really solid. I think this is even maybe like a step up from her work on Catwoman. Um, just in terms of like pacing and plotting and everything. 
uh i i love this i thought this was so good um this this new character is so cool um yeah this this was just really great um and very excited that it seems like she's gonna stick around yes yeah yeah she's on that uh dc infinite wonder woman double pager that just got put out today yep december 17th i i i love those um when dc does stuff like that yeah it sort of shows like everybody who is who's in play right now that's that's brian nip i love that that's the guy yeah Yeah. Um, especially because some of those characters i don't recognize like instantly but if I thought about it, I'm sure I could figure out who most of those people are. But just there's a whole bunch of characters in there, you know, and it just gets you thinking, oh, man, they're all going to be a part of this. Now, some of them may never get used, you know, before the next re- reboot of some sort. But I enjoy that very much. Yeah. Um, She's got a winged horse named Jerry. Yes. Which is great. Um, She's a bit of a fuck up, too. Like. Like, like they say it right in the narration that that she's a flawed Yara Flora is a flawed hero, you know, and you can see that because she's a little impulsive and can be self-centered and like tries to steal a coin from that big sumo wrestler, <laughs> and uh, you know. But like, it, at the in the way that um, in the way that uh, Keenan Kong was in New Superman in the beginning he was a little bit rude and a little bit brash, but he was still somebody that you wanted to follow still somebody who you wanted to see where the story would take them, you know? And yeah. I think that's, that's knocks that idea out of the park here. And one last thing I want to say while I'm slobbering on this is that the, the art, Oh my God. Like when <laughs> Yaris, when Yaris fighting that Hydra and chops off its neck and the blood it's that um it's like a signature joel jones thing where the blood looks like this long sticky strand that comes off of the like that's pure when she was on helheim with Mm -hmm. cullen bunn that's pure helheim and to get back to that i i just fucking love her signature twist on that kind of brutality you know Oh man, she's good. She's the best. She's the best. My favorite. We are well aware that she's your favorite. <laughs> this is not this is not breaking news at all. Um, but no, this was this was super fun. This was great. This is a great introduction to this character. I cannot wait to see what happens. I mean, this character is so well regarded at DC that there's supposedly a CW show coming out about this character, right? So That's wild. That's awesome, though. You know, um, so I think this is going to stick around for a while, and. You know, sort of in wrapping up here, because we, we have to get out of here, because we're recording this during lunch break from some of our day jobs. Um, that's our commitment to you, listeners, doing this during our day jobs. Um, I, you know, I, I think that this this first week of Future State kind of gives us everything we thought we'd get in there, where there's some stuff that's definitely going to stick around like this. There's some stuff that seems like it's definitely going to not stick around, like the Flash stuff. And then there's some cool status quo shifts that maybe elements of it will be retained like the john kent stuff or uh or the swamp thing stuff it, it, it's a pretty it's a pretty interesting mix and like you said vince i don't think anything in this is necessarily a disaster nor do i think that anything in this is um like going to be considered a an all-time great issue one day down the road like the probably the closest is the wonder woman issue and i really enjoyed it but i still think it's it's more the beginning of something than it is something that stands sort of on its own two feet. Uh, but that's not, that's not a criticism of it. That's just, this is the start of something new, and I'm really excited that we're doing something new right now. Yeah. New is good. New is good. Well, thanks for listening, folks. We, we truly appreciate it. Um, we'll be back next week with week two of Future State. We're doing this every week, and as, as you're hearing this now, the comics come out on Tuesday. You'll be hearing us on Mon- on Wednesday for the major- for the rest of this event. We will be doing um, as close to instantaneous discussion of these as possible. So um, make sure to be reading the comics. Make sure to be listening to the show. Go to multiversitycomics.com for all other sorts of comic news. You can find two-thirds of us on Twitter. I am at Brian Needs a Nap. And I am at Wilker Fox. 
if you need to find Vince, he is clearly uh, just uh, pulling his pud to this comic, this Wonder Woman comic. <laughs> He's, uh, there's no hiding this. <laughs> All right, folks. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye. All right, kids. Go listen to your Ben Shapiro. Just stay out of my hair. <laughs>